0: Welcome to In The Know. We are finally getting in front of a camera, in front of a mic. I don't have a great mic. Apologize for the audio quality, but we're here. We're doing an episode and just a very, very small portion of the season left. The Pelicans have uh, an interesting schedule coming up. We're going to talk about all of that and more. So tune in. Before we start, this podcast is brought to you by Birdsall Law Firm, the official injury lawyers of Crew Media, located at 918 Poitras Street by the Superdome. Give them a call at 504-523-5413. If you or someone you know has been involved in a car accident or in an accident, make sure to mention we sent you. Birdsall Law Firm, official injury lawyers of Crew Media. Mason, what's up, dude? <laughs> the Pelicans um, haven't given us a tremendous amount to talk about. In terms of their encore performance, which has been uh disappointing to say the least. But I think we have a a few things both that you and I want to cover. Um but you know, before before we get into it, I gotta take my dedicated time of the podcast to uh absolutely trash on Chicago's weather, which is where I'm at. I knew this was coming.
1: I knew it was coming. uh,
0: This place just sucks when it's cold. (laughs) Just cannot cannot begin to process why. people want to live in a place like this, but you know, when it warms up, I can, I, I can see the appeals.
1: The, uh, did you see that uh, the, the, the uh, lottery and all that stuff has happened in Chicago in a couple months? That just got released today. So Is that I'm gonna so? Try, try to make, um, yeah, I was, I'm mad, mad enough at you to pick this week. I'm gonna be in Chicago next week. So uh, missing you by a few days, but yeah, um, that, I, I'm gonna try to make my way over there. Uh, the, Cause usually like, they've done it in New York the past couple of years, right?
0: Or... yeah well who do you think the pelicans are going to send as their representative
1: <laughs> oh man uh...
0: <laughs> a loaded question <laughs> um anyways uh the, the hope is one or two of the pelicans and the lakers have uh, really good odds and um Pelicans can then end up with a top four pick. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about what they've been doing recently. They're coming off of a um, very disappointing uh, beating from the Lakers at home on their own home court. And, uh, you know, everyone knew the importance of that going in and what it meant for the standings, both in terms of directly beating a team that is, uh, competing for the same spot and, and, you know, the tiebreaker stuff, but, uh, very, very difficult situation to be in. They were embarrassed. They were completely embarrassed on their home court. You know, they were down 40 at ha- like around halftime and, you know, the score ended up being closer. And when, when, um, LA left the, you know, they, they let off the gas a little bit, but it was still a complete embarrassment. Um, yeah. what did you make of that game in general?
1: I think it's a lot of the, all the things that have been going wrong with the Pelicans all at once. Like, I feel like they, there was no, I mean, they got the, the doors blown off in the first half. And then, I think almost as disappointing to me was that like, they didn't even try anything different in the second half. They just like, all right, let's go back to it. And like, it's their credit. Like you said, they got back into the game, but it wasn't like the Lakers were particularly interested in in keeping them, uh, uh, you know, 40 points away. I mean, they didn't feel, it didn't seem like they really thought the game was ever in in, in doubt, which it wasn't. Um, But I don't know. I, I just, I, I feel like we see the same things over and over. It feels so long ago, even though like we're talking on Friday, it was the last game they played back on Tuesday, but um uh, it was, it's just, I don't know, frustrating to see that there's, it doesn't really seem that there's any sort of like matchup based adjustments and it, and yeah, I mean like that they're, they're doing the same things over and over again. If they're not playing a defense that is absolutely terrible, like Portland's or, uh, you know, it, it just, they, they, they struggled to generate any sort of quality looks. And that's the story of the last few weeks.
0: Yeah. I mean, hilariously, the Lakers ended up losing to Houston, Uh, the next night they they rusted
1: everyone
0: right I mean Uh, yeah and AD didn't play Um, but still I mean it's Houston uh, which is (laughs) you know (laughs) it it, it buys the Pelicans some time but I think you're right like all of what's been going on in in these losses is just I guess a microcosm of what's been happening across the season and um, after after that game came uh, some interesting quotes, some interesting events that happened. So let's talk about that. Um, Willie Green came out and said, like, to, you know, I'm not, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something to the effect of, like, you know, we got to be better, and if things aren't working, if shots aren't falling, we got to change it up and maybe get JV the ball uh, a, a little bit. Uh, Christian Clark had, had tweeted that out, and um, I think you had a really good tweet on, on what that means, uh, or what you took from that quote, uh, do you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, it, I think the, the the it seemed backwards to me. You know, like it, it seemed that you know Willie Green mentioning all those things as as fallback options if the shots aren't falling, it feels like you should be doing those things first, and that's going to help open up the offense. You should you should be trying to get to the line, whether that's attacking the rim, whether that's getting the ball into Jonas. Uh, and tr- who, who, you know, may be able to draw cheap fouls if he's got the right matchup, but not in every, every situation. Like I thought that Lakers game was a bad matchup for him. The Mavericks game with, you know, with against Luka and Kyrie, terrible matchup for him. But there's definitely situations where Jonas like feeding him, going through him makes, makes sense. Like, but just, you know, getting all those things that Willie Green mentioned feel like quality offense. And, and so it's easier said than done. Obviously you can't just, you can't just attack the paint and get high quiet looks at Will or else, or else you, you do it more often it's harder to do, but at the same time, it just, it just felt, yeah, it felt backwards to me. Like that's probably the best way to put it. Do you,
0: do you feel like, okay, so let's talk about this for a second. Do you feel like that is Willie green tacitly admitting, like he doesn't have control over what the stars are doing in terms of them, them just kind of freestyling and doing their own thing and and not kind of playing to their strengths. Or do you think, Willie really recognizes, hey, maybe this is something we should have been doing all along, but really hasn't done anything as a coach to ensure that these things should be happening.
1: I think it's the latter. I, when I look at the Pelicans, I don't see a team that has a bunch of stars who are too who are too proud to not change the way they play. And I know the easy retort is that CJ has been kind of playing like this for a while, but I feel like he's a vet who I, I don't know. I, I just I don't get. I don't get that feeling that the, the team is uncoachable because that's what the implication would be is that the team is not coachable to to change up how they play. And when Zion's on the floor, they, they play differently. I mean, and so I, I just, I, I, I really don't believe that it's, you know, CJ and BI would be totally unwilling to change. I don't think it's going to come naturally. And that's the thing. That's what, that's what coaching is. It's, you know, you have to help break habits and and, and create better, you know, better offensive flow and system. And so I guess that's, you know, that's, that's kind of my
0: take on it. Uh, you know, what do you think? I think it's a combination of both. Um, I think BI and CJ are the type of players who want to play a certain style of basketball. And I think that they, when left to their own devices, will naturally play that style of basketball. And 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 part of that style of basketball is I think they like to – take the responsibility on themselves to dig the team out of a hole. Uh, They they go for the five point shot, the six point shot when they're down rather than, Hey, let's, let's go back to executing. Let's continue generating um, easy looks. No, I think they feel the need to be the ones to put the team on their back. And sometimes the team is very much needed that. And, but I think on the balance we've seen this season, that's, Approach to the game has not worked out, and I think the coaching staff has enabled them to play that style of basketball. um I, I think part of it is they deprioritize JV. They have the whole year. You've seen it in his minutes. You've seen it in his touches. You haven't seen a focal a focus to to really get him involved in the same way that they did last year. Um, and when you do that with a guy, he's going to check out. Like he's not going to put forth the same kind of effort um, that you know, a guy who is involved and celebrated um, is going to to put forth So his play not I think not only has his like play slipped, like he's probably taken a little bit of a step back, but like the overall engagement I think has dipped because yes. regardless of if he plays well or poorly, the outcome for him is going to be the same. So that's that's a very um, defeating, you know, place to be in as a player. And uh, so I empathize him with him on that. But like you know, the the whole year, since there hasn't been a focus on that, there hasn't really been a focus on getting away from the mid-range shots, you know, you know, getting, generating paid touches and opening up looks for three or quality looks for three, right? So like they, they've said, oh, we need 35 threes. Okay, well, then the role players, without further instruction, are just going to take bad threes, early clock threes. And that's kind of what you saw in, like, the, the the early part of the Lakers game. The Lakers were hitting their shots. The Pels felt the need to kind of match that kind of shot profile, and it was bad execution, bad process, bad, bad shot taking. And even though it's like, well, we got the number of threes, you know, we got the attempts up, so we wanted the threes. And it's like, no, like what goes into those attempts is important. And, and, and to me, I can draw a straight line from all of that back to coaching back to, you know, I think it goes to the top and, and had there been a focus on on different things throughout the season, we wouldn't be having this conversation with 12 games or 13 games left in, in, in the season. And so um, I think it's tough, but the one thing I will say that has stood out to me is regardless of coaching, regardless of any of this, like, I think there needs to be a larger conversation on, are Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum enough to bring a team to 500 basketball um, on, the, on their own, should, should Zion not be playing? And I, this season has made it really difficult for me to believe in those two as a tandem. Um, and yeah, I, I, I am, I think I am off the boat of, of that pairing.
1: Gotcha. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say that there are some, you know, roster construction concerns here from, uh, a, a lack of spacing. Right. I mean, like the Pelicans have three good three point shooters on their entire team. That's, that's a problem. Right. And so, um, that, and, and, and I can appreciate that when you've got her, Jones out there, or even, you know, and you have two, two non-shooters on the floor. Um, You have Jonas kind of taking up space, but not being, you know, truly utilized. You're creating situations where CJ and BI, uh, it's, you know, they have a hard time generating good offense. But the thing is, to your point, the coaching that hasn't really enabled them to, to create, to get better, better quality looks. And so I'm, I'm not as far out on as maybe as you are on the pairing of CJ and BI. Um, I think, you know, with, if you even have one additional shooter out there, I'm curious what it could look like. And, but it really, to me, it comes back to making sure that you've got the right, you've got the right system supporting them. Like I, I, I've been really, and you, you were way ahead on this as far as, you're during like two, two months ago when BI was out, you were talking about how you thought Najee could be in the starting lineup when the team was fully healthy. And I, I didn't think it was, I I didn't think his skill set was what they needed. So I was pushing back on that. Um, But now it's just painfully clear to me. They they need a, they need a guy who do, who's, who, whose hand you can put the ball in. That's not BI or CJ who can at least do something and, and you know, kind of be trusted that as a secondary ball handler who becomes a primary ball hunter in certain situations. Because the, the Pelicans' lack of spacing creates a situation where if, if, if you have B.I. or C.G. on the ball, there's just not – they're going to – defense are going to crowd them. And so if you've got, like, Najee out there – I don't trust Dyson quite yet. Um, yeah, I don't think he's shown the ability to consistently attack the paint quite yet. He's more like that launch ball connector type. That, that, but, like, Najee or Josh Richardson or even, like, Herb Jones enabling him a little bit more with the ball in his hands – then and you've got you've got trey you've got b i you've got c j all around them that, i'm not saying cut their possessions i'm not saying l- let them take let them take fewer shots but change how they get the ball you know change where they get the ball i think you know getting a little bit more creative on on who you play together and how they're used can why not like what what do you have to lose at this point
0: i'm on mute yeah i'm with you and and i think that to me it's it's I think you could shuffle around those pieces. I think you can, you know, adjust how you're using some of those players. At the end of the day, it's it's a usage issue for me. And if you have, you know, I think last, um, you know, last game the Pelicans basically had like 98 possessions. BI and CJ used 43 of them, right? So if you are allotting 45 to 50% of your offensive possessions to two players, and they aren't able to score at a point per possession. You're gonna be bad. It doesn't matter how you're, you know, who you put in the starting lineup. It doesn't matter how you shuffle it around. When you ramp up the usage of two players so high to the point where you know they're just the the efficiency trade off isn't isn't worth it. Um, most nights you're gonna be a bad team, and the nights that you're gonna be a good team is when 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 they got it going right. They're both they have both capable of individually getting it going. Sometimes they can get it going together. Um, it, you know, it hasn't ha- happened all that often, mostly because their shot profile, both of their shot pro- profiles leaves a lot to be desired. It's mid range heavy. Uh, CJ's done a little better job of, of increasing his three point volume as the season has gone on, but he's dealing with that thumb and he's going to have to probably get surgery at some point. Um, they, they don't really get to the rim. They don't really, you know, get to the free throw line. And so, generating easy and efficient baskets hasn't just been something they've done regularly and people often look at like oh well Brandon Ingram went nine for 17 that's efficient it is it's very efficient that's why the four other turnovers he had kills the team so much right that's four other possessions that weren't used offensively and are likely you know like uh like 1.5 points per possession back the other way um because because they're turnovers and and so it's just been to me like I think they're starting to do it a little bit with Trey they've increased his usage they're getting him more shots but they've got to distribute those shots a little more evenly and that's why like it's really painful to see how they've used Jonas because he's a guy capable of eating uh, a lot of usage and being efficient with said usage and he's he's at the point where if you're not using him like that. It's not worth having him on the floor because of what he's giving up on the defensive end, and it's it's just so hard to to win basketball games like that.
1: Yeah, like if you're if you're going to use Jonas like they have, put him like make, put him uh, on the bench and and bring him in in sec with second units and have him slow down the game when he's in and have him eat against backup centers and and like do that play you know start Larry Nance like I. I think if Jonas is used the right way, he still should can and should be your starting five. But you given how they've used him on offense, like you're right. He's he's hurting them more than he's helping them on the def- you know, overall because of the defense. And so yeah, throw throw Larry out there and just because that's they close with that with Larry anyway. So why just rip the bandit off and start him and then let let Jonas do his thing against second second unit players? I mean, doesn't that it just seems like that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've tweeted about it. I believe I've tweeted about it, but like the JVBI-CJ trio has just been terrible, you know, from an on-off standpoint. And even worse since like Z has went down, right? Like the Z combination like, you know, they were they were playing close to even. They still weren't great, but but since he's been gone now, they've just been an outright disaster and I think for the season um right now with all three of them on, for the season, they're negative 13.77. Uh, points per possession, uh, per per 100 possessions. Like that is that is just disastrous. They're not scoring at a, at a good rate. Their uh, their offensive rating is 111.42, which would be like 28th, 29th in the league. And their defensive rating is 125.19, which is just abysmal. And and look, they're not going to bench CJ. They're not going to bench BI. That's just not going to happen. And and it's not something I you know encourage either. And I wouldn't have recommended they bench JV. Um, at all, but like, let's look at the facts here. They, yep. this lineup has been, and the starting lineup with Herb and Trey in it, just has been downright awful. They start each game down ten, down twelve, down eleven, claw their way back, and the bench has to kind of do what they got to do. Try it, try starting Larry. Just at this point, what do you got to lose?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like, I, 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 it's, it's a bias for me because it's the game I was at, but I look at. It, The Detroit Pistons game, the one in Detroit, as the Mike, as kind of like the example of everything that's been wrong with Jonas's usage. Like he was demolishing Nerlens Noel, like just totally toying with him, and they didn't go back to Jonas until literally the game was at risk in the fourth quarter. I mean, like his stat line was was great. Like you're gonna see, like I think it was like 30 and 15. I don't know. He, He 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 had he put up numbers, but they just refused to go to him down the stretch. And then the Pistons clawed back into it, and it was like a three-point game or something at one point. And then finally, like, oh yeah, I guess you know this is how we're winning. So we're just kind of, they finally went back to the last couple of minutes, two or three minutes of the game, and, and they won. And, but but it got way closer than it needed to, and it just felt like that's that's a pretty pretty good example of how you know they they, they were very reluctant to to use him in advantageous matchups, and then that's that's the case. And you know, play him off the bench.
0: I mean, the other thing is by like nature, if you're bringing him off the bench then you're minimizing the number of minutes he sees versus, like, high pick-and-roll guys that are starters in the league, right? right. Like, right. I think, like, the Luka and the OKC stuff is, like, a great example. Like, you can't have him spend the majority of his minutes while Che gilchrist Alexander's on the court. Like, maybe try to minimize their overlap, right? Likewise, like, you can't... You know, if he plays 25 minutes in the Mavs game, you can't spend 21 of those minutes with Luka on the court. Like, that just... Yeah. Is, is nonsensical and so the, I it, there's just so many like low-hanging fruits that the Pell staff has mm-hmm. like over the last two years um, have not capitalized on and, and it's extremely disappointing and and I think I think you're gonna see changes in the staff this summer I think there there's going to be changes on, on responsibilities I think they're gonna bring in new people I think they're gonna bring in more offensive minded people maybe a person I don't know um, but I'd be shocked to see them run it back with with this staff and this approach to the game
1: yeah yeah i mean like and and if it's a pride thing for Jonas, like i get it guy's been a starter his entire career so there's got to be that element to it but i mean i i want to believe that if you tell him look we're gonna you're we're not gonna reduce your minutes overall by by much you know but we and when we when we bring you in we're gonna go to you we're gonna you know we're gonna feed you i i want to believe that He'd be at least open to it, um, if he's not just too defeated already. How with how he's been used, but like, like, because I think one of the first things we noticed when Josh Richardson started playing is, wow, someone, someone will pass the Can ball we... to Yonas.
0: Hold on, hold on. Can we talk about that for a second? Can we talk Definitely. about that for a second? They started Josh Richardson for three games out of All Star break. They had their practice. Their oh my god, we practiced on a Tuesday. Like CJ made a big deal about it. Like they they got in their extra practice. Their big decision out of All Star break. Seeing all of the data that they had, seeing everything that we saw about their offense being completely terrible, was to get Josh Richardson out on the court bench Trey Murphy, why? Oh, so we can put a little bit more know-how on the court, and they lost three straight games, and they were unable to score, and they were unable to defend, and it was a complete disaster, and now Trey's back in the starting lineup, and he's been killing it, he's been killing it for like the last 10 games or something like that, and, and it's it's just like, just stupid, stupid, short-minded stuff by Willie Green and his staff that is just completely nonsensical, that, and and, and it's, it's repetitive, it's like you never learn from the first time you fuck it. Sorry, Lala. First time you messed it up. <laughs> you know, it, it's like you, you never learn from that. And, um, Anyways, I had to go on my little t- rant there.
1: Well, no, I mean, I, I think um, I the, the thing is, with when Richardson was in the starting lineup, I think the hard thing to accept is that Richardson did play well, but, like, his skill set is just, like, putting in him, his skill set and play, taking out Trey Murphy's skill set – with the, with what what else was on the court for the Pelicans? It just it didn't seem to make sense. And so like I don't want to not use this as a way to not like Josh Richardson was a he was a phenom defensively in those games. Like yeah. he was creating all kinds of problems, but they and, still and lost. Yet, like and,
0: and and not only did they lose, like in his minutes, the Pelicans were terrible defensively. Like that's the other thing is like individually he was fantastic, but those lineups were disastrous. They weren't even good. So it's just like you, they can't see the forest from the trees sometimes. It's just, I don't know, disappointing. Anyways, yeah. they're going into a stretch run. Um, they're coming up against Houston, Houston, Charlotte, San Antonio. Um, yep. Four tanking teams that have no desire to win. But at this point could probably afford to play spoiler. Like, really, who's passing them up in the in the stands? Yeah. Who, who is, Austin. right?
1: Charlotte's been like below average. I wouldn't even say they've been terrible recently. Like they've, Charlotte's
0: they've been, been better than New Orleans yeah. since yeah. Zion like went Lomelo down.
1: With Lamelo out, which is which is kind of surprising. Like they've had better. a lot of good contributors.
0: <laughs> it's insane that that they've been like three games better than the Pelicans since since yeah. Zion went down.
1: Like that because they lost Lamelo during that time too.
0: Completely wild, and <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, look, none of these games are um. are are something they should expect to just win outright. Uh, They got to bring their a game. And all of these games are games where JV should dominate him and they should use him. He's dominated the Spurs all season long. He, the first matchup against Charlotte, he completely barbecued him. Houston doesn't have a real center. Like, are we really afraid of Jalen green and, and Kevin Porter jr? Like, come on. Like, I'm gonna calm down here a little bit, but it seems to me these are excellent games to get the big fellow involved. It builds confidence back yeah. up.
1: Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you. Um, you know, you hope, hope hope that happens. Um, nothing we've seen this season allows me to, to believe it. Um, Devonte but... Graham is
0: going to drop 40 on the page. <laughs> <laughs>
1: going it's 12 target
0: 17 from three.
1: It's coming. He's going to uh, – Devontae's going to look at what uh, – didn't Nikhil have a nice game against us earlier this season? Yeah, good. Dude. yeah, Yeah. And, and when it's, they trade JB, JB's
0: going to give them like 27 and 17.
1: Oh, he's going to give them the business. That's, that's going to be a, a thing next year. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like, do you think – do they have – in your eyes, do they have to go 4-0 to like yes. actually – Yes,
0: know? no doubt, because that stretch afterwards is, is not a good stretch. Not good.
1: No, it's not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. West Coast any, every, trip. every single win they can get, every road win they can get. Uh yeah. Uh, at this point there's just no runway. Yeah. And and any kind of yeah. They they gotta they gotta get in and you know, maybe they they win these four and and you're looking at maybe Zion like, you know, a week away and, and you're like, Okay, cool. Just need to hold the fort for the next three or four games after that. And yeah. and maybe you got something, but We'll see, man. We'll we'll see. I think. Um, just want to shift the conversation a little bit to like longer term. I think regardless of what happens at the end of the season, we can all agree the season hasn't gone the way many like would have liked it to go. Um, Didn't quite get
1: the your uh, your three seed projection from before the season. I was they really were on pace.
0: They were on pace until shit happened.
1: Yeah, we're um, on pace for two.
0: The two seed. They got three. I mean, the Kings are the two seed, and they're going to lock that up. And yeah. um, so, you know, that, yeah, while Memphis has imploded in every way possible.
1: Shows, um, shows the value of health, man. It really does. I mean, there are a bunch of teams that you could argue at full strength were good enough to get that two seed this year. I really believe that. Oh, and for sure. Kings,
0: yeah. And, um, but, you know, the, the Pelicans, we've, we've kind of talked about what they need to do in the summer, what they should do. And we've generally been on the same page, but I think, I'm driving the conversation back towards where we talked about earlier. It's like, I think this summer I'm baking. I would like to break the big three up. That is me and me personally. And I think the one guy you can't move is Z uh, because he is the one needle mover out of all of them. And the one, the guy capable of dragging you to wins in pretty much any situation. So I think it would be prudent for them to find either, high-level play creation or uh, high-level shooting in the form of a big man, um, maybe both if they can. I think they have assets to, to kind of figure out which direction they want to go in. Um, I am not opposed. I know a lot of people were like, can't bring in more rookies, can't bring in more young players. I am not opposed to getting contractually younger if you can pick up uh you know i think the the pelicans pick is going to be whatever like i don't expect that to be good i don't i don't expect a lot of luck but you know can you i'm not i mean this is the kind of elephant in the room like if if you were approached by charlotte let's say michael jordan sells his steak spadashi new owners want to make a make a move and they offer you and charlotte gets the number two pick and they offer you Gordon Hayward's salary, which is expiring. Mark Williams, who is a talented young big man, the number two pick, for Brandon Ingram and JV. I think, like most people, would probably say no. Like that's that's not worth it. But if I can get that Scoot Henderson or that Brandon Miller pick, the two or three pick, man, I I'm I'm strongly considering that.
1: I don't blame you. I think it poses some, no, I guess it doesn't. I was going to say it poses some time, some, some dual timeline risks that like when it, if, you know, assuming scoots as good as we think he's going to, you know, most people think he's going to be by the time he's actually like, you know, a guy who you can rely on to be a championship team is, or are we hearing like one, you know, can Zion stay healthy? And two, are we hearing about, uh, you know, Zion wants out of new Orleans? Like, I just think that there there is some inherent risk in doing that beyond just the value perspective of do you are you kicking the can down the road too much because New Orleans is not, you know, everyone's favorite basketball market. And so I want to yeah. be careful about that.
0: No, I agree with you. I think you need to make moves that in addition to that, that would shore up the rest of the roster and, and allow you to be competitive. But I think the way I'm looking at it is I have a five year window with Z and and i'm gonna do what i can in that five-year window um to get as much time in as possible like it's a five-year contract
1: but do you really want to call it a five-year window
0: i think either health or contract wise like five years is about as good as it's gonna get
1: well yeah that's the optim- that's the optimistic view it's like if, if if things haven't gone well like in year three after year three is he looking I don't know. He's really have to like to stand. Well, I haven't things. No pun gone intended, well, right? Well, that's, injuries, what, that's but, what I'm
0: saying is like, if yeah. things haven't gone well because he's not healthy, then yeah, I, mean, I don't, can't. you know, there's nothing, you know, you could keep, you can hold on to any of your guys. Like we've clearly seen, Brandon Ingram and CJ can't win if he's not healthy. So like, it doesn't matter who you got out there. I, at least in that situation, if he's not healthy, I still got a Scoot Henderson, right? I still got somebody who can maybe turn into something. Or if you have to move on from Z, I can pivot to that group, right? Um, but you know, best case scenario, you know, Scoot is is a good rookie in year two. He's, he's making that leap like Ja did and, or some of the other rookies did. And, and, and you're right back to, you know, your ceiling's a lot higher and whereas your floor hasn't dipped because Z is Z, but it all depends on Z, right? If he, if he plays 70 games next year, then I feel confident that's going to be a good team Yep. regardless. I mean, I don't want to say regardless of the roster, but like they have enough talent with who they have with, with like CJ, Trey, Herb, Dyson, all those guys and whatever moves they're going to make. Like, I think they will be a solidly playoff team, likely a home court playoff team. If he plays 70 games in any given season, but if he doesn't, then who cares? Right. And then at that point, okay. Would you rather go through a season of mediocrity with two guys like CJ and BI who are giving up, getting a lot of, star type usage but not producing wins, or you know, you have the potential of a guy like Scooter, Brandon Miller, or whoever, um, turning into perhaps yet another Neal mover that allows you to like um survive the stretches that Z Z misses.
1: Yeah. Look, I mean I the the way in which the season's gone has has like my, my, my view from the start was that the CJ McCollum trade was not done through the lens of the, this is the best, this, the, this is the big three that we're going to win a title with. I, I the the reason, one of the reasons the season has been so disappointing to me is that CJ felt like the right guy to give you that injury insurance, right? Like if, if BI or if Zion's missing time, you've got two guys that can score and create at a high level. And that has not obviously panned out even close to what we had hoped for this year. Um, like you know, you saw last year, you're like okay, this team without Zion can tread water to be pretty good, even without him, uh, with the guys they got, and then you just replace Tony snow with Dyson and Daniels and run it back. And like, so you you know, there's a lot of reasons, albeit around a based around a smaller sample size, to be optimistic, and that hasn't panned out. And so if the you know the BICJ tandem is not enough to keep you afloat, and you really you're gonna you probably don't want to really structure the optimal team around zbi and cj that just there's a lot of defensive holes there beyond other things um then yeah maybe you accelerate looking to change things up and like i'm not saying that be you you trade bi but i am i am kind of a, agreeing with the notion that may, the, maybe you have to expedite the timeline in which you Change things. um You're getting so, there. <laughs> huh?
0: You're getting there.
1: Well, like I mean, that could I be. I think CJ, you think you like... see.
0: Yeah, I mean, of course it could be CJ. I'm definitely, you know, if they find a good deal for CJ, if they're able to to do that and not have to attach a ton of assets, or you know, the assets they attach are bringing back a needle mover. Hell yeah, I'm 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 all for that. It's just that deal, the CJ deal, I find a lot harder to move. Um, I also think they need CJ from, if they didn't trade for CJ, you're not getting this version of Z. you know, if they didn't trade for CJ, this locker and season's probably a lot bigger of a mess than it currently is. And, and so that kind of adult, they need. Um, I just don't think Brandon is that guy. I, I, I don't have any faith in him turning into that guy. I don't think Zion is that guy until he can stay healthy because a guy who just isn't on the court is not someone that's going to have the ear of the team. Um, But, you know, are you creating a situation where guys are going to tune CJ out? Maybe, but at that point, do you want those type of players on the team? You know? And so I think they need CJ. I think they need a Larry. I think they need vets. I, 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 They need playable vets they don't need garrett temple types uh (laughs) they they need guys that that have you know been to war in the playoffs and 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 they need that and i think they would need that i would argue they need that even if they hold on to this big three they just they they need more of those guys
1: yeah did you ever did you ever float the uh i feel like i saw it somewhere the ingram for for bridges Before, like he started growing up the way he has, yeah,
0: absolutely,
1: absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel like people were very much uh, thought that was blasphemous, and now like, you know, look at what he's been able to do. And I think is a better
0: player. I'll straight up say it. I don't, I don't care. Um, I Look, Mikkel impacts the game on both sides of the ball, and he's the classic example of you give an efficient player more usage, they're going to put up points. And Brandon Ingram's scoring ability individually is dazzling. It hasn't moved the needle um, for the Pelicans in a way that produces wins, um, and and he doesn't give you enough on the defensive side of the ball. With with Mikhail's availability, the fact that he plays eighty-two games in a year, like he like never misses, literally just doesn't miss a game, um, and and the fact that like he is happy. He doesn't see himself as like a number one. He's happy to like take a back seat if he needs to um, his contract, all of the above. I will. Like, if if you offered the two teams a trade, I think Brooklyn immediately says no, but I could be wrong there.
1: No, nah, I mean, especially given what we've seen from, from Mikhail Mc, uh, in Brooklyn, like, I think it's, I don't think there's a conversation to be had. I think, I think, There certainly was when, when Bridges was in Phoenix. Phoenix. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But right now, like, I mean, I just look at what the numbers he's putting up. I mean.
0: Yeah. Let me, let me pull those up so people can understand. Really one second. Cal Bridges. He's averaging averaging 26.1 points per game in, in uh, Brooklyn, 4.7 rebounds, 2.7 assists. Um, you know still playing the defense that that he's playing and that's uh on 63.7 true shooting 63.7 so he's averaging 26 points per game and brandon ingram uh for the season is at 22.9 points per game and he's below league average efficiency so, like, scoring was the one area there was a significant gap in, and you can't even say that there's a significant gap there. Can Brandon get you a bucket in an isolation situation um, in an easier fashion than Mikael can? Most likely. But on the balance, you know, if I'm giving 20 scoring possessions to Mikael and giving 20 scoring possessions to, to, to Brandon, is probably going to be the more efficient guy. And that's wild. That's absolutely crazy. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, we like, at this point
1: <laughs> Yeah I mean like he's Mikhail's at like 45% Three point shooting in Brooklyn so it's a little Over but like it's still like he's been He's put up 30 points in five of the last eight games Like he's been a, and, and there's no one Like there's better I, Brooklyn's got better Spacing got <laughs> the, the team with Ben Simmons is better spacing than Pelicans It says a lot I but, mean they're starting um, Nick Claxton Too
0: like it's yeah. not like they they Got like I mean they got a lot of shooters But I think they have a better spacing Because they got better coaching but i mean mikel's been for his career a thirty eight percent guy from three Yeah, he's good and and the last three years you know it's it's been pretty i mean like since twenty twenty one actually you know he's 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 been thirty nine point nine percent right under forty percent so like he he has been efficient his whole time um i don't know man it's 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 it sucks because like I think the pelicans desperately needed more from Brandon Ingram and he just hasn't been able to deliver uh and I don't, you know, a lot of that's on coaching. A lot of that's on not having the right roster. But, like, I think all of that kind of goes into it. You, If you're a type of player who needs a lot of these things to go, like, to be, like, ideal or near ideal, then how good of a player are you really? And and I think he's a very good player. Brandon's a very good player. But I think there are conversations after last playoff. Um, the last playoff series were... You know, is he is he going to push top fifteen? And I think at this moment he's not a top thirty player, so it's unfortunate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I I, I feel like I'm a little bit more lenient on VI and his and kind of what's I I think I put a little bit more of it on on coaching and a little bit less on him and coaching and, and roster construction, just because of how few shooters the Pelicans have had um, this season to work with um and so it is disappointing like even the, the the frustrating thing is like even like last year they could throw tony snell out there who didn't give you anything else but he could shoot like the pelicans now they just they literally only like there's no one down the bench that they can put in and say all right this guy's you know not, not that good of a player but at least you know defenses care when he spots up they have three players that like that and one of them doesn't shoot threes Bi, he just he, he won't shoot threes anymore um and so it's essentially it's cj and trey you're only two volume shooters who defenses actively care about and so that's a that's a real big problem for any 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 offense or any score it just full stop and and so like I, he's I, taking I less you...
0: threes than last year which is crazy and he like didn't take threes last year. <laughs> took 4.1 a game he's at 440 a game this this year yeah you know, per, per 100 possessions, he's at 5.8, which is he was at 6.0 last year. And the two years prior, he was at 8.4 and 8.6.
1: Yeah, and like he can shoot over guys too. So, like, that's that's the, another frustrating thing is like, you know, he's dude's super, super uh, tall as, as like a, a super long wingspan too. Like, it, it's it doesn't like there's no reason why he can't take more. It's not, you know, it's not like he's like CJ, CJ's shooting and CJ's 6'4. And so. I don't know. I'm just that's one of the like things I'm not three on a good day. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, that that's that I think that's one of the big big complaints I would have around. The, it, it's probably and that's, that's a good question. Is it coaching or is it just will lack of willingness to shoot them? Um, I mean, it's both. But
0: it, it's it is. It's it's both right. Like I think a, a good coach or good coaching staff gets that out of it. Um, I don't think Stan was a good coach. I don't think Alvin was a good coach. Ingram was taking a lot of threes under him, a lot more threes. Right? They were able to do it. Um, there's just been no focus or emphasis on from the coaching staff getting him to do it. Um, it's not that he's unwilling. I mean, he is. He's not. He's not like like a willing guy. But you, you can coach him to do it. He's very coachable. I think that's. He has every like everything that makes you want to believe in him, I, you know, from, from the offensive skill set to the passing, to the size, to the personality, the low maintenance, the, um, you know, even the way he bought in on defense last year, I thought he was a needle mover uh, on, on, on that end. And he this was. year, I think he's gone back to being a disaster on, on defense. And it's unfortunate. I think he's had moments of individual greatness. Again, very capable of, of those flashes. And so it's like, what, what is necessary for you to put it all together and, and how much patience should a team have, um, you know, to, in, in order to wait for that? Because I think at this point, the thing I keep coming back to, it's very, very basic. But at some point, you know, you are, well, your record states you are, and it's been seven years and he's been unable to shift the team towards winning in seven years. Like a winning record has just not been something he's been a part of.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, and, I, and I can't not, help
0: That's That's not great because you're like, okay, well the Lakers years, you can just write them off. They sucked, Right. And then the LeBron year. Okay. That sucked. Okay. The first year with the Pelicans, that one was weird. Zion got hurt, but drew and all them. Yeah. Okay. But he was an all-star that year. Stan Gundy year pandemic year COVID year weird last year. Again, at each individual year, I think you can figure out, you know, you can point to something that contributed to them not winning, but mm-hmm. A lot of that has been him. A lot of that has been also his inability to stay on the court. Just can't, you can't win if he's not playing too. So it's like, you have a guy, what do you do with a player who, you know, a a third to a half of his games, a half is extreme, but like a third to, but yeah, I mean, that's the range. A third to half of his game, he's going to miss. And and the other, you know, 60% of the games that he's going to play Maybe you know, thir- like you don't know what you're getting out of them necessarily. Like you, you know, like the point ranges you're going to get. He's probably going to put up 20 to 25 points in any of those games, but you don't know if you're getting the impactful Brandon or a guy that's just floating and taking a lot of shots.
1: I, I don't know. I, I'm. I, I guess my feelings towards this are there are a lot i feel like there are other players around his range of who you could potentially say a lot of the same things about like if you have if you
0: okay so I like, I'm,
1: I'm thinking about Chicago yeah I, I, think there, I think there are a lot of corollaries between the bulls and the Pelicans. definitely let mm-hmm. yeah. so let's talk about like, that sure and so like last year i guess how do you view how do you view B.I. compared to the two scoring wings on the Bulls, like Levine, Levine and DeRozan?
0: So let's talk about Levine for a second. Levine okay. is at almost 25 points per game, right? He's at 60% true shooting. Both those marks are higher than Brandon. And I think if you look at the Bulls team context, they are much more talent void than the Pelicans. And I think they're, they, those two guys, Levine and DeRozan, and their coaching staff is trying to make the best out of a shitty situation, whereas the Pelicans have more talent and they're squandering it. Um, and so I think I would put them in similar tiers. Like Brandon's on a similar tier with those two. But I think when you compare the roster, the Pelicans roster is far better than what the bulls roster has and i think if you were to swap the two the bulls are worse and the pelicans are probably two to three wins better not not significantly i'd say two to three wins better
1: i don't know if i agree and the reason is coaching like do you think the bulls are a, a materially better coached team than the pelicans right now like and
0: i don't think they're a greatly coached team but yes i think the pelicans are a poorly coached team so i would say yes
1: okay so even despite that, you think you plug you plug Levine in to Bi's everything, Bi's role and all that. You still you 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 really believe that the that the Pelicans are a better team?
0: No, I think if you swap Bi and CJ for Levine and DeRozan, the Pelicans oh, are a better team.
1: Gotcha. Sorry, by two I to three wins.
0: By, I think if you were just due to do a straight Levine and Brandon swap, it's probably a wash.
1: Okay, I I think that's. I think that's
0: f- fit. I think it's probably a wash, but mm. actually I'll take that back. I think um, you're These gonna Bulls get are a little, little worse. worse. I bulls are a little worse and I think your pals you're gonna get more wins simply because Levine's played sixty four games.
1: Oh okay. That's fair. I was, he was saying like four I
0: four games and, and Brandon's played thirty
1: three. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I think you know, the the two X games play is a huge factor here. But I, I I don't know. I I think I think the Pelicans are you know if you get this equal games from both players, I think the Pelicans are a better spot with Bi than with Levine. But I think I think the I think the CJBI for DeRozan and Levine swap is fascinating. Like I didn't even thought about it that that broadly before. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, that's yeah. Like like from a realism standpoint, like no team's ever going to make that trade. But no. um, but yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah, I think that Levine and, and, and Brandon are, are similar to your players. I don't think anyone's mistaking them for, you know, all NBA players at this moment. I think Levine, um, Levine has more physical issues at this point, but remarkably has still played more games than Brandon um, each of the last three years, uh, which is saying a lot. um you know, even last year, Levine had, was, like, on one knee. He played 67 games. Brandon played, what, 53, 55, something like that. Um, so you're playing 10-plus games, you know, 12-plus more games, and and you're scoring, um, at least similarly in volume. Actually, Levine's scoring more. He's always scored more the last three uh, years, but um, you've just been straight-up more efficient. The last three years, he's been 63% true shooting, 60.5, 60.5. And I mean, and Levine's also a volume three point shooter. So it's like, I I, I think team context probably dictates like who they are as, as stars, as an individual talent, Levine might be, Levine, I think offers more on the scoring end. Brandon's more capable on defense and definitely a better playmaker, um, more well-rounded Brandon can sometimes rebound the ball and Levine's just, you might, you have, you probably don't know what you're getting out of him if he's not scoring. Right. Yeah. Um, but he's available, and that, that's a big difference. Like two playing twice as many games is is big deal.
1: yeah, it is yeah, um it's I, I think this ultimately for me there's a uh, this that I, I think the one point and we'll probably can wrap up soon, but like the the one point I want to stress is that there's not this is an organizational failure, I think to put it very simply, this is not like a I feel like this podcast has been very hard on BI, but I feel like, I feel like the Pelicans have not put him in a position to succeed because of roster construction and the lack of shooting around him and because of coaching and and how they've been able to utilize him, structure the offense, take some pressure off of him by, by feeding, feeding Jonas. Like there's so many other things that the Pelicans I feel like could have done, even with the guys they have to be more successful and more consistent on offense. And they just haven't. Um, And then obviously we just, you know, the it's, it's hard to create. You can't, Create space out of thin air if defenses aren't going to care about most of the guys you got out there from the perimeter. The the floor shrinks and good luck. Like that's that's like Luca territory, James Harden territory. Like players who can still make make something out of nothing in those situations. And so, look, I mean, there's 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 a lot of blame to go around for what's going on right now, um, and it shouldn't just fall at one one player's no completely not to, yeah. and i think
0: yeah I, it's not on one player's feet like if you were to list the biggest problems the pelicans have like brandon's not near the top right <laughs> like that, that's just <laughs> not that's just not the case uh in, in in any sense it's just he's the highly paid player in the star so he's going to get most of the attention um yeah. and uh and and frankly like cj just hasn't been good and, and that the con- goes back to our conversation earlier it's like when you have two of those guys who consume as many possessions as they do they need to be efficient and and yeah. the circumstances have not allowed them to be efficient either
1: yeah I, I do feel like we're we're uh we're being we're going easy on CJ here and, and like because he's he's paid just as, pretty much just as much as BI is and i know he's had a thumb injury so it's really hard to like but but also like you know, he's kudos to him for playing through it but like you know he's he's killing short too and so we spend a lot of time Big time talking about he, the there's BI so many he,
0: he his shot selection kills the momentum so frequently um and it's it's tough and and I think they, they gotta rein that in and and that's why like when we talk about like I don't like those two together I would like to break them apart it's like I, I that's why like they like mm-hmm. I think in a perfect world it's different yeah in in a perfect world you're moving off cj and and you're getting back an adult and you're also getting back you know a talented guard but those two things right now in the nba at the guard position are nearly impossible to find because every team holds on to them um so so uh so yeah i think the the perspective i always come at it from is hey Long term, I'm trying to build a team. What's the positive value play here? And unfortunately, the, the conclusion I've arrived to, and it's I'm not saying it's the right one. The conclusion I've arrived to is it's probably easier and more worthwhile to move Brandon and then restructure the team uh, than it is to move CJ and build around Brandon and Z.
1: But I guess the counterpoint is if you if you, you want to make a move this summer, I. If you feel like you have to, I agree. But, like, if you feel like you can make tertiary roster adjustments and, like, put a good team on the floor next year, assuming, knock on wood, full health, then suddenly being able to move – making CJ the guy you move feels a lot more palatable. And so I guess that's why I'm not as – Dug in on we got it. You know, what the big three needs to be broken up this summer. I don't, I don't necessarily feel that way. There there has has to be changes coaching staff, roster, definitely. But I think if you can make enough adjustments around the fringes, especially, specifically, you know, figure out what the heck you want to do at the center position and then add more shooting around the rest of the team, then maybe you don't have to do break up that group right now and then suddenly moving CJ in a year becomes more realistic. I don't
0: know. All depends on Z. Yeah. <laughs> Literally all That's depends fair. on Z. If he's healthy, all of these conversations are much different. If he's not, you know, we're back to being the shitty old pelts. <laughs> it's been
1: a bunch of rainbows and sunshine in this podcast today.
0: It's been great. Know, oh my gosh. Time. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no. Let's go uh, beat the <laughs> yeah, beat the Rockets. Um get get this get this season back on track. Season starts today. Tonight. Yeah. 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 Beat the Rockets. <laughs> was uh Kit Dyson Daniels a birthday win here.
1: Yeah.
0: Ugh. Hopefully we have something better to talk about. We didn't even get a talk about like the fact they had a players only meeting, the fact that Willie Green took twenty five minutes after the Lakers game to come meet come meet media. Um things were not good. <laughs> things were uh things are let's just let's just hope they got it all aired out and and they're locked in here for the stretch i think that's all we can say yeah that's uh i i was i was a big fan of the the jv and zion john wick commercial
1: yeah that was cool We. we I, I feel like that stuff. yeah i feel like you need more of a role for for jv like you didn't really say much but uh but yeah that was uh it was good stuff
0: classic jv not being utilized to his potential huh <laughs>
1: Yeah, we, we saw that Austin's interview when he made when he like imitated LeBron James. Like, there's potential there. We've there's so much potential
0: it. there that I I hope he's in the movie like Boban was in the in John Wick Chapter Three. Yeah. Um, that'd be great. I hope he just continues to bring random tall European players into his movies, <laughs> and uh, that'd be fantastic.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Anyways, okay. um, I I hope y'all enjoyed this, this <laughs> tolerated sport. i think tolerated. Tolerated. tolerated tolerated this podcast we're gonna get lit up on twitter because of all the brand oh. I can talk we you just know it but anyways are you ready for the underdogs the upsets and the unbelievable action from DraftKings sportsbook the biggest tournament in college basketball is here right now new customers can bet just five dollars of college oops and instantly get two hundred dollars in bonus bets plus for a limited time all customers can score a no sweat bet round um during round one I two of the tournament, go to the app opt in place. A no sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. You know, I'm excited for Alabama. That boy, Brandon Miller's been playing really well. So keep an eye on him. Um, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. To sign up with the promo code BOOT, B-O-O-T, as seen on your screen. Uh, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets. Instantly win or lose only a DraftKings Sportsbook with the code B-O-O-T. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Thanks for listening, folks.